Whoa! Hey there! Welcome back to my podcast. This has been a while since I've done a solo episode. We'll see how it goes. It's good to be back in my home studio alone talking to y'all into this big black microphone that's a little bit further away or farther away from my face because that's the right word to use in this context because further is when you're talking about something that's like metaphorical farther is a literal distance okay great intro so it's going to be back and it's a little bit farther from my face because it picks up mouth sounds and I got big fucking Italian lips that like to make very obnoxious sounds. Whenever I listen back to this thing, I go, ugh, who the hell wants to hear that? I get a little shen- fucking lip smacking around. So anyway, also I got a drink of water. I got some soda water or seltzer. It's technically seltzer. I don't, f- is there, a- it, it- it's sparkling water. That's what you say when you order. That's what it is. And I hate, oh man, I hate ordering sparkling water from a bar. It's like, yeah, they got to ring up. Just hey, can I bother you to ring up me a sparkling water because I'm a douche who doesn't drink and isn't going to support the business because nobody makes a profit. No businesses stay afloat just by selling a bunch of seltzer water. Screw it. I'm just calling it seltzer water. I don't give a crap if it's actually different than soda or water. If it's technically the wrong term. Sparkling water just makes me feel like a fucking lo- like a douche. Hey, can I get some sparkling water? My, my, I'm, I need something to drink. But I, and then these places that I go, I, they, I have no choice but to order either regular water or sparkling water, but I don't want just soda water. This is a completely new fucking problem. So if I ask for soda water, it'll come from a little spritzer that's built into their bar, and usually they they might not even charge for it, depending depending on the swankiness of the bar, or the douchiness of the bar. It goes two ways. Hey, it's not my fault I don't drink. So I just gotta sit there like an asshole with a dry mouth, the whole time I'm at this bar, I still go to bars because I'm a stand-up comedian. But uh, not really. But sometimes I do that. I, I go to the reason I go to bars is only to do like a comedy thing, an open mic or a show. Um, so I go to the bars and I have a dry mouth. So what am I? What are my options? To either ask for soda water or see if they have like a, one of those tanks of water for people like me so they don't gotta bother the bartender to say hey there's a here's a little cup here get it yourself get it yourself this is a place for alcoholics look we don't want to talk to you if you're not an alcoholic you fucking broke non-drinking sober loser anyway i'm not a sober i'm not a loser i am sober but it doesn't mean i'm a loser anyway so I don't like soda water. I don't like the kind of soda water that just comes from the gun. It's not good. And then I got to add something to it. I got to walk around with Stevie and I'm in my fanny pack, uh, which I don't do, but I'm going to start doing. Why don't I do that? It's not, I'm already walking around with a fanny pack. Why don't I put stuff I need in it? I already have like the essentials like chapstick. I have chapstick on me in my fanny pack and like little cards to write on if i think of something funny like, oh, write it down instead of using my phone to do that and i got a lot of other stuff like my wallet keys 
Because who wants to walk around with your wallet and keys in your pants if you got tight pants and then you just feel it, it hurts when you sit down. So anyway, I have a fanny pack. Somebody asked me if they could use my chapstick. I was like, sorry, I don't know you very well. I'm not going to share my chapstick with you. I said, I didn't say that. I, I said, first I just said, I have herpes. So and they're like, oh, I I get it. Don't, don't worry. I don't want your chapstick if you have herpes. And they didn't realize that I was just joking. So I was like, you actually think that's the reason? You actually think I have herpes? I was like, the kind of herpes that you, st- that you sure, I guess that is a valid reason to not accept chapstick by from somebody. But I was, but also this person, it's like a wake up call for them. It's like, hey, maybe don't ask strangers for chapstick because they might give you herpes. So I was just giving them a little warning, like, hey, you never know, I might have herpes, which I don't. Simplex one is the kind that would transfer from uh, chapstick, if even if that's possible. I don't know if that, but uh, I said I had simplex two, and they so so they're dumb. They thought I was talking about my gen, like genital hurt. It's like so this person they need to they need to go to a college course. Uh, they need to be educated better and not ask people for anyway. I, I was like, sorry, I don't know. I, I was just kidding. I don't have herpes, but uh, I just don't really want to share. I don't want to share my chapstick with you. I don't fucking know you. That was that's what I said to them. Anyway, so I'm a nice person. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to start walking around with Stevia now, like in that movie, in the in like Breaking Bad, that woman at, towards the end, later seasons of the show, she's like, you have Stevia? Never mind, I brought my own. It's like, well, then why ask? If you have your own, why ask? I guess to save you from having to use your own? I get, like It just makes you look like a pretentious, classist person. To have to ask and you, when you have it on you anyway, I don't really get it. But most places should have stevia. If it's just like some some diner in the middle of nowhere, I get that they probably don't have stevia. But fuck it, everywhere else, if you have pretentious customers, you should have stevia. And why is that? I'm hearing a resonating. I'm hearing a resonance coming from the vent, or that vent. There's a couple vents overhead. And I need to uh, get more acoustic paneling. You can see that this wall behind me has no paneling on it. No acoustic treatment. And the front of the room does. But not all of it. The front of this room has huge bass traps. But I could get more. I could even get even more. And then there's two on the side walls that are perfectly in the same uh, symmetrical. They're a mirror of each other. And they are four inches thick, but I got seven inch thick base traps in the front of the room. So anytime I add a new base trap to the room, it gets four inches smaller uh, by length or depth. And so there's going to be some behind me probably by the next episode. And that's going to be four inches that I can't lean back. Anyway, so this room is not fully treated yet as a, as a studio. It has a long way to go. Then I got to get them on the ceilings and on the doors. And like, you could go, I could spend like another $1,000 easily just on acoustic panels and bass traps, which are just thicker. And then diffusers. I'm going to have some behind me coming in the mail. They're being produced right now. Everything's made custom. 
they're going to have diffusers on them, so they're base traps, but also with these wooden patterns in front of them, like 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 meshes or great whatever you want to call it, pieces of wood in intricate shapes in front of it. You'll see, it's going to be pretty. And I had to choose which design I wanted, and that took forever. It's like fuck, what color? I'm just I just went with white and beige because I like neutral. So anyway, those will make the the back wall look a little bit more interesting than just drywall, you know, just like boring. But anyway, so that's the studio update. I still am building this podcast studio, and I don't have to be close up to the mic because if there's enough treatment in the room, it will absorb the reflections, and so you won't hear the room as much, and so I don't have to be right in front of the damn mic for it to still sound high quality oh so that was boring so that's the update on that um i did uh, i don't have anything interesting to talk about on this entire episode but i have you know so i'll save you the rest of the episode now you could just end it right here so there you go that was it so like maybe it'll get more interesting as it goes on i don't know we're only about nine minutes in and i've already lost i've already run out of idea but actually even before i did it before I pressed the record button, I was like, I don't really have anything interesting to talk about. And that's how I am with uh, stand-up. So we'll do a quick comedy update. Uh, I used to kind of think of myself as like primarily a stand-up comedian. Now, that sounds like the most pretentious thing to call myself now because I barely do stand-up. And when I do it, I don't even try to like to do jokes it's terrible you know i did a show a couple weeks ago or probably a month ago who knows that was pretty good um but i had to like get into the character i had to like tell myself not full character just like i had to like beat myself up and convince myself that i am capable of doing well at at stand-up um, and it, that's why I was able to get into it. I was like, okay, you've done this before. You know how to do it. Why can't you just do it? So I figured out how to get into the right mindset to have fun and not just bomb and like be like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be here, but I was booked. I was dreading the show because I, I don't have an act. I have a few jokes, like Twitter-style jokes, like one to two-line jokes that i came up with in in this okay but i don't really get much out of doing them after i think of them i say okay that was funny and then i post it on twitter and it gets zero likes or anything it just sits there in nothing i get no like uh positive feedback on it whatsoever or negative just zip so that's not really paying much reward to just put it on Twitter. So then I started recording them as uh, spoken word bits in a into my camera, into my phone. And then I would post those as like little shorts on YouTube and Instagram. And one of them did okay. Uh, one of them got a few thousand likes over the course of like a, over a month since I posted it. But and I've tried to force myself to keep doing like okay now that you know that that works, do, keep doing it. 
put out a joke every day in that style, nice and short and to the point. And I can't get myself to do that. I could, I've done it a, like once or twice after that, and I was like, yeah, some of these are okay, but none of them were that good. And I just don't really get much enjoyment out of the process of writing jokes and then saying them into a camera alone at home or in front of people. So I am going through a slump of not getting any pleasure out of any of the steps in the process of stand-up comedy or joke telling. So I'm not so that's why I haven't really cracked a single joke on this episode and now I'm starting to lose the uh, the accent. Now I'm going into more of a monotone delivery um and that's fine I, I don't really have to be the funny guy on this podcast that's uh it, it, so anyway stand-up has been going very bad i don't get any pleasure out of <laughs> you know if it goes well uh, sure that would that gives me a nice high but i don't really um it's not enough for me to like pursue it it just doesn't last. It lasts like one day, and then it resets, and then the next day it's like, okay, I got to go to a fucking open mic and hope I get a good spot. That like It takes hours. It's like the time part is not that bad. I usually have time for it, but the, it's just the the stress levels go up when you have to sign up for an open mic knowing that there's going to be like 30 comics that skipped the line who just came. They just showed up like five minutes ago, and they just – they just want a good spot, so they just skip the line. And then I got to worry about looking like, you know, I got to call, like I confront them. Like, yo, man, I was here, but also I hate to be this guy, but also because it's just an open mic, but all at the same time, I don't want to fucking sit here for two hours. So, and then, you know, so it's, so I got to take a lot of mushrooms to get in the right mood for, uh, for open mics and for shows. Forget about shows. I like open mics. I like the low stakes of open mics. And I do get pleasure out of them to this day. I've done a few in the past few weeks. Um, but mostly, most of them, I just felt like, holy crap, I am not ready to, I'm not prepared. I'm not in the right minds. And I just hate myself for being here. And for, but then it makes me go like, okay, do it again. I got to do it again to get, to prove that that was just practice and that I could get right back on the horse and that, you know, cause it's not just to prove something to myself. It's to, um, I guess it is mostly to prove it to myself that I'm still funny or something like that. I, but who cares? And to get clips from it because I could film it and get a funny clip. But whatever. The problem is, even if I have that feeling of like uh, motivation, there's this uh, problem is that I'm uh, there's not enough mics that happen every day in this tiny little city of a one million people, and I'm not good enough to just go to a show and try out material there because I don't have rigid material yet. So that's the problem. I'm in this in between. I'm not good enough for shows, and I'm not able to do open mics. So you have this fucking feeling of blue balls, and they just end up at the back of this comedy club or this patio of this comedy club that speaking of that I hate when they have water out in like one of those you know Gatorade it is one of the fucking water dispensers and then the water has this nasty like aftertaste of like what the hell is in this water 
So it's like now I gotta go to the fucking bar and ask for real. Can I get water that hasn't been sitting in a in a dirty tank all day that doesn't have a you know gross aftertaste? So then it makes me feel like I gotta um, go up to them and bother them. But actually, that's their job. So I'm being a pussy. You know, that's just social anxiety. Um, you know what? I guess the reason I don't like doing that is because I feel like I have this this uh, imposture syndrome of like, don't bother the bartender for water if you're not actually on the show. Like, because the only time I'm at a bar, like I said, is for comedy. I don't go to bars to hang out. So it would be to either perform comedy or watch other people do comedy. And if I'm just there to watch... I don't like bothering the bartender. So anyway, I don't. That's why I just have to sit there and just be like, "Fuck!" And I'm stuck with this gross Gatorade, this, this fucking moldy ass water. I don't know if it's moldy or just old. It's just, they just need to clean the thing better. But I, it makes me so. <laughs> if there's anything to be upset about, that's the only thing that has upset me that much in the past few weeks. Um, so anyway, I was talking about stand-up. Yeah, I could get on shows if I just asked people, hey, can I do a five-minute spot, like, whatever. Um, and people have offered me five-minute spots, and I turned them down because I just knew I didn't have it in me. Didn't have it in me, that fucking night. And then I watched somebody bomb, and it's like, oh, fuck, I could have done better than that at least, even just riff it. I could have just riffed. Like, oh, man, there's nothing that motivates me more than seeing somebody bomb. If I see somebody kill, it's like, okay, I got nothing to... I can't do that. I could do mediocre. And I'm only doing it for the ego rush of like, fuck yeah. I don't know. It's not just for the ego rush of like, fuck yeah, I'm better than that guy. No, it's just because it's fun and rewarding. Create. It's the most rewarding thing you could do creatively is put out a good stand-up, joke set whatever or good music if you put out a music video that fucking hits uh that's probably the most pleasurable thing you could do as an artist just knowing that like getting that external fucking gratification but also internal gratification because you're watching this thing back and you're a fan of yourself while also it resonates with other people so they are fans of you in addition, you gotta be a fan of yourself, motherfucker. Alright, I don't know why I gotta curse. I'm just enthusiastic about this topic. Like, that's my problem, I think. The reason I can't produce stand-up or bits, or even just at home, like record funny little TikToks, is because I'm not currently a fan of myself. So how the hell do I grow out of that? How do I grow into that? Or any I don't know. I just look at myself as this is this boring dude that you know like I just don't have the uh ignition, the fuel to get me to like sit down and make content because I just don't really care for my end result personality. I don't really think I'm that good right now. And maybe that means I'm just growing. Maybe that just means I'm just not willing to do the same style. Or I just don't... I think what it is, is I don't have the right fuel source. The the motor. Because when I do go out, when I am 
around other comedians. I could, okay, let's relax. Let's stop pretending. Let's like stop yelling for a second. Um, whenever I'm around comedians that are doing regular shows, like going, like doing shows constantly, and I hang out with them afterwards, that energy rubs off on me. It's like, okay, I would like to feel the way they feel in terms of uh, like productivity and like, okay, they're doing the art. Doesn't mean they're satisfied, but I would like to at least be in the game. I am on the sidelines, and that's by choice. I ain't complaining about somebody else not giving me opportunities. Like I said, I've been offered spots. It's just myself. I'm not a fan of myself. That's the bottom. That's the uh, crux of this episode. And that's why even on this podcast, I don't have the enthusiasm that I had a few months ago when I kind of got back into the swing of putting out content that I was proud of. You have to fucking be proud of it in the moment. You have to kind of, for lack of a better term, be a fan of yourself. If you expect other people to. Because when I was doing shit that I was proud of and still am proud of, I was a fan of it at the time. Uh, so, you know, I think I'm just going through a slump because of... Um, it has to do with being uh, off of cannabis. So this is a very serious topic. And not... I don't know. So I've been off cannabis, marijuana, the weed... Uh, for about uh, two months. It's, it's just about going on two months now, and I'm pretty dead set on staying off it because it's a. It, I like the way that it e that it elongates time. When you're off it, when you're off it, you gotta face the whole day, and you feel every hour go by, every minute of every hour. Not really. We have other ways of getting through the day without feeling every excruciating second go by. It's called scrolling. It's called looking at your phone and opening the different apps and going, okay, is there something for me there? Is there going to be a rush? Is there going to be a dopamine leakage or supply? Um, so it's not like... But compared to when I was on weed, that was just a complete... Um, it, it made the day go by a lot faster, and then it made the weeks go by faster, and the months go by faster. So you feel your life go by slower. And so I really... That's the number one thing that I enjoy about being off cannabis is I don't feel, I feel uh, I'm not wasting my life. But yet, I feel I am wasting my life. I'm not okay with the fact that I ain't doing creative shit all day. The fact that I'm not producing quality content that I'm proud of. Uh, yet I have so much time. And I have a studio space. I could be recording songs all day if I had the executive function and the the belief that it's worth doing and the enjoyment to actually move my muscles. Um, so there's this feeling of like anger at myself, this resentment at my inability to pursue these goals that uh, I would love to be pursuing so i have this deep emptiness that is not being filled there's this unfulfillment but the weed made me not really give a crap about that void the weed plays tricks it plays jedi mind tricks and 
because you know you could always be a pessimist the the pessimist is always correct that it's probably not worth trying anything will always just people will even if you put out something good even if you do reach your dreams there's always a pessimist out there just yeah but that was yesterday that'll fade in the grand scheme of things the universe will not even know and you know everything will just go into disorder so there's always that's what weed kind of does to me it's like yeah why even try if in the end the universe is just going to go right back to disorder and not give a crap about the creativity that you put out as a human and so sure you could say that's true that the pessimist has some the black-pilled nihilist they're like yeah sure it doesn't matter whatever man we're all gonna die yeah you're right that's what weed does to me. It makes me a nihilist. When it wears off and when it comes on, it's like a burst of uh, dopamine. And so that actually does help me get to my goals. It So it has two effects. It has these two competing effects that are very powerful and addictive. Not the bad part. Even the bad part is addictive because there's some good to be said about the layering of those the nihilistic effect that I talked about, that's the extreme end of it. But before you get to that complete uh, nihilistic part of the day, uh, on the way down, you'll be like, okay, I shouldn't have done this. I should have been nicer to this person. You have these uh, moments of clarity. Because just, you know, not all uh, truths are negative. Some truths that are, not all truths that are negative or to be thrown out. You could still listen to some of those thoughts that you have on the come down or the peak of weed, whenever the fuck they happen, you'll be like, okay, why am I why do I have such a big ego? Like and then why did I behave this way? Because it was non productive and it made me look bad and it alienated people and made them not like me. So maybe I shouldn't have done that. And that's the benefit of uh what I'm talking about. That's one of the benefits. You just have to take that. You don't need weed. You don't need a drug to tell you that. Yeah, I'm starting to get old enough where I don't need to take a drug to figure out what I did wrong the next day. And weed or alcohol is a given. That one, I'm starting to look back on as like I get it was fun. It's fun to throw away that part of your brain that makes you in a <laughs> here's what alcohol does it turns off the part of your brain that makes you want to be an adult so if you have that turned off you're going to have more fun because it's not going to be stopping you reminding you that shit is real and matters like maybe don't say that maybe don't act this way maybe don't bump into this maybe have a little bit more it's your frontal prefrontal cortex that it kind of turns off but the prefrontal cortex is not your enemy, alcoholics, if you're listening. And by alcoholic, I don't mean that as a judgmental term. I'm just using that as a catch-all for anybody who uses alcohol in a more than like, fuck it. Anybody who uses it regularly, I would say, is who I'm talking to. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you shouldn't really think of your prefrontal cortex as your enemy. Because you can strengthen it to be your best friend, too. It could be the same thing that encourages you 
to do the things that you would need alcohol to do, like write, like produce content. I used to need to be on a drug like alcohol just to do anything creative as well. That's what stand-up was. But I used uh, alcohol as a crutch for stand-up and more than a crutch. I used it as a wheelchair. And without it, a year and a half later, it, I'm still learning how to enjoy myself. And I'm making progress. So I'm not saying I'm hopeless. I'm not saying that I haven't made progress is what I mean. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not hopeless. <laughs> That's the fucking point of this podcast is to figure out how to be the best version of myself before my time is up. Because time is ticking. And after a certain point, it'll be too late to do those things. And I'll be looking back and be even angrier than I am now as somebody getting old enough to have my voice sound the way it does. I'm an old timer. This camera can show you my true age. And I don't mean that in any spiritual way. I just mean it's a good camera. So you can see all the lines on my face. You can see that I'm actually exactly the age that I that it says on my ID. Whatever. Some people look way worse than me. So I do look pretty good for my age but that doesn't mean i ain't still the age i am man so i have like a voice that is like a little bit more degraded it's a little more degraded i sound like i sound older than i did when i was in my 20s or or, or teens i don't feel like a teenager anymore man thank god thank god i don't walk around with the feeling of like uh futility that a teenager did, that I did when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I was like, yep, I'm just, I don't have those things yet. I don't have a house or my own means of, you know, car, finances. I was like, there are some things that I don't have yet. Now I'm an adult and I feel like an adult. If somebody treats me like a kid, I don't like that because it's like, yeah, I'm not a kid anymore. Even if it's just like a subtle thing like, Whatever, man. I, I I know my spiritual age, and uh, it's pretty old. <laughs> Spiritually, I am old as shit. That's why I don't go to movies anymore. I, none of the movies do nothing for me. I just don't have the patience. Even If it's like a really good Leonardo DiCaprio movie, I'll probably watch it. It's like three three years later or some shit. The po- I don't care. Okay, just re- let's relax. How long have we been doing this? 30. Okay, time is starting to creep to a halt for me. I'm starting the the room the air is starting to leave the room. I'm going to take a drink of water. Okay, so what I said about how you got to be a fan of yourself if you're doing something creative and expect other people to be your fans you have to be your first fan maybe not your number one fan that i part i don't know but you have to at least be the first one to have discovered your own talent if you're only doing it for the external reward you're probably not going to get the external reward because you're chasing only the end result and it's like you need to be producing something inter you need to okay you need to be inputting 
your talent if you want to get output from the world. What goes in is what comes garbage in, garbage out. So if you're putting in crappy content that you don't even believe is good as you're making it, it's probably going to be looked at as garbage by most people. They, there might be an audience for it. Like if you're like a formulaic TikTok style persona, somebody that just makes TikToks that are, have a proven formula. Like it's you in a green screen uh, just reacting to other viral content and you're just adding barely anything to it. You're literally just riding somebody else's trend and expanding. Like literally, that's nothing. You're not adding any value or creativity other than your smiling face, that's going to feel not that redeeming. You still might do it because it gets you the external numbers that you want. And by numbers, I, you know that could just mean for fun, for, for the uh, number of followers and likes because it gives you that good feeling. Addictive. It's just addictive. And you could be making money from it. So maybe that's what I mean by numbers. I mean money or number of followers, analytics like that, or number of likes that you get when you open your phone. When you unlock your phone, does it give you those boosts, those very short-term dopamine hits? Um, if that's why you're doing it, that isn't really the thing that I want to be doing <laughs> like i realize i could I, i've done that before i know what it feels like to put out a video that gets a quarter million hits on tiktok and you just keep getting a flood of light every time you open your phone or open the app you'll see so many new notifications like fuck yeah i want more uh, but meanwhile, the, the content that got you that wasn't me. It was just another viral video that was already going viral that I posted early enough to ride the balloon a little bit. It's like, hey, jump on the airship. It's taking off. It's leaving shore, leaving dock. Jump on the hot air balloon as somebody that's just hanging from it. You're not even the one. You didn't put out the thing. You're not the author. You're just uh, riding somebody else's coattails. So I'd stop doing that. That's not what I want to do on these platforms. My niche is me. That's what I want to sell. And if I don't even like myself, fuck it, obviously. It's going to be, uh, people are going to be like, Ugh. And it's going to be looked at as bad content. It's going to be like, oh, this guy sucks. It's, it, it could be funny to hate yourself, I think, in some ways. Even if you don't like what you're doing, other people could be like, no, that's pretty good. But I I, I would stop doing that if, if I really hated it. I am getting some enjoyment out of this. It's just that I'm going through this thing where I need to learn how to get natural pleasure out of it so anyway that's what i'm learning and it's tough there's no way around it it's gonna take and andrew huberman says that your dopamine levels your baseline that's what i'm getting at my baseline dopamine levels if you want to get 
scientifical about it is way lower than it used to be. Because even if you're not smoking weed like that particular day, you might have not smoked that day, but your baseline dopamine level is still higher than it is when you're off it for a month because it was high yesterday. And that's what Huberman said, that fucking genius. He's like, your dopamine, your baseline dopamine levels stay the same day to day usually based on how it was just yesterday. So if it was high yesterday, it'll still be pretty good the next day, even if you don't do anything significant. So that's my thing, is I'm trying to slowly raise that baseline dopamine level to where I can be creative and I can enjoy. That's it. It just comes down to enjoyment. Like I have these intellectualized items in my head. Like I know I'm good at this um, or not this. I don't know if I'm good at this. Sometimes I'm good at this. Sure, whatever. I know I'm good at certain things that I want to pursue like uh, stand-up and other art forms. Like just, you know, just funny videos, shit like that. I know that I am good at it, meaning I have been in the past. Because if you ain't doing good at it now, I'm not good. I can't say I'm good at comedy now because if I was given the opportunity to go on stage, I would bomb. So I can't really say, <laughs> hey, man, I'm fucking good at this. I'm better than you. Oh, just because I bombed? That's because my baseline dopamine level. <laughs> can't really say that. People won't really be like, oh, well, now I get why you bombed. It's because your baseline dopamine levels are too low. My bad. Well, sorry that I said that you weren't funny tonight. Now I know that you're actually the next Robin Williams. Now I know. All you had to say was that in the past, you usually do well. Oh, my bad. Yeah, so I can't go around talking about... <laughs> so I can't go on stage right now. I'm I, And I hate that I can't, but also... When I get it back, when I do raise my baseline dope... Uh, Jesus Christ, I hate saying that. Can we just reduce that down to like... B, B D L my B D L. God damn it! I hate saying long. Okay, kids. When I raise my B P Ls, it'll make me feel so much better knowing that I won't take it for granted. When I finally do get back to where I want to be, it'll be more natural, first of all, because I'm not going to be using these these uh, cheat codes to get there. You have to use your prefrontal cortex to get you there. You, um, and then it's more permanent. It's not chemical-based. It's not from an exochemical. It's from an internal chemical i don't know the word for it like endocannabinoids um yeah if it comes from within it's it'll be way more long lasting and real so when i finally do figure it out or just work at it, i don't think there's anything to figure out i think i already have figured it out i just need to keep doing the hard work to get my prefrontal cortex who cares if that's even the? You don't have to use the the part of the part of my. Like it's, 
I guess I do want to use the right word for it because that's how I learned about this. I don't know. That's just what I call it. Maybe it'll be proven that that's not actually what it is, but whatever. I'm just saying in a long-winded way for comedy specifically because that's the number one thing that I like doing. That's the most rewarding thing is uh, stand-up comedy. So when I get when I get my swagger back... And when I'm actually able to speak without like having to correct myself every two seconds, is that the right word? Like I keep having this like stutter and like I keep misspeaking. That's part of the BPL. That's part of having low dopamine is you can't even form sentences correctly. That's part of it. And I'm staring straight into the lens because I heard that just staring at the same thing gives you dopamine. Just staring straight or fixed onto something. So anyway, that's the ADHD update. Is that it's it's going bad? Um, no, it, it, I'm trying. I'm being very negative, but um, I'm uh, at least that's how I feel in the bad part of the days. Like at the end of the night, it gets pretty dark. If I couldn't record this at the end of the night. It's not even close to the end of the night. It's only 10 o'clock right now. I'm going to be up until the sun comes up and after that. like Probably 8 a.m. is probably when I'm going to actually fall asleep. So I got a long night ahead of me. And I this is the early part of the day for me. And I can't even talk. So let's hope. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. But in general... I have a positive outlook about just doing this podcast, talking about what I just talked about was very like valuable to me. Um, I just realized it's like, yeah, you don't have the, the willpower to do the things you don't want to do and you're not your own fan. Those are both kind of the same thing. It's this lack of fuel because I do believe in myself for a short time of the day but I still ain't doing the work. So I, I'm lose, I'm missing the fuel. And that goes back to BPL. Baseline dopamine levels. That's the key phrase of this episode besides you got to be your own fan. And it's, I've talked about this on other episodes. The, the word dopamine is probably the most used term on this podcast series. This never-ending podcast series, we talk a lot about that, the D word. So, I don't know. I got to stop being so hard on myself, you know, man, because, like, I am making progress. Like, I'm, I've made progress. Like, there's these people that I used to be afraid to go up to, not in particular, but just, like, there's been examples of people that I've met recently that, going back just a few months ago, I would have needed alcohol to have the courage to go up to them and speak to them without the fear of being rejected. And this is not, I'm not even talking about women. Women for, I don't talk to, I still don't do that. No, 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 I'm still very um, sick. <laughs> I'm still too mentally ill um, to talk to women because of the fear of rejection and um, fear of sharing my resources with them. And I say that without a smile, but I'm half joking. I don't have resources to share with them. 
Um, I have a dwindling amount of money. <laughs> I don't have an infinite cash. If I did, it, it that would suck too because then I'd be like, oh, you're just using me. You just want to be with me because of that. It's like another thing that your prefrontal cortex gets you is real relationships. If you are willing to do the work and be yourself and be proud of who you are and confident, you will be able to land the actual uh, woman of your dreams, as they say. Even if you're a short dude with like me, that's a short, mediocre-looking dude, you could still land a hottie with confidence. You need that's the one thing I was gonna say without confidence, like even a dude without confidence can land that nah No. You need one of the three things. You need money, power, or charisma or character good character, not charisma. Charisma's a bad thing. Charisma is what narcissists use to get what they to feed their ego and to get a narcissistic supply while appearing as if they have character. Charisma is just a uh, fucking facade for character. It doesn't mean you have character inside the the apartment complex. <laughs> like there's a lot of apartment complexes that have a really nice facade. When you walk in, it's like, oh no, this was built in the 30s. And it's all like terrible quality, like whatever in the 30s not it was not that bad but it's not concrete like they do now it doesn't have like concrete you see what i'm saying that's this this is not a metaphor i'm talking about literally i moved into an apartment complex a building it wasn't a complex it was a building that looked good on the outside it had a beautiful like modern looking facade but then I found out that it was actually re like renovated recently in 2006. I was like, oh, that's pretty recent. Um, I'll buy a condo here. But then I found out that it was just sort of, what I knew this before I bought the fucking. But anyway, it's not concrete, so I could hear the neighbors walking around, and it, it ruined the experience of my. It ruined my life. <laughs> it was a huge factor in negativity. It affected my mood. But I still have a pretty bad mood. No, my mood has gone up tremendously. My mood... <laughs> moving out of an apartment complex with loud neighbors above me improved my mood tenfold. So I'm not... I, it, it did. It was an absolute increase in mood and positive quality of life. So it's not like I just have different problems. It's not like I was just being a curmudgeon and now I have other things to complain about. No, that was it. Now I'm happier. So anyway, it's also a metaphor for what I was talking about with charisma. You don't want to just put on a facade of charisma. I'd rather do the opposite, have a bad personality on the outside or at least how it looks on the surface level to new people meeting me for the first time. I'd rather have no charisma but good character than the opposite. Have a, a you know, be a narcissist with who's good at faking it, but actually on the inside, they're a fucking asshole, rotten to the core. 
that comes up a lot in show business and comedy. People will be like, "Ugh, why do you why are you so unlikable, man?" It's like cuz I don't care about likability. If you most people are not likable, if you actually got to know them, why do you think most relationships don't work out, bitch? It's because most people aren't as likable as they think they are. Some people are more likable than others because they're good at putting up a facade, but doesn't mean they're a likable person on the inside when you actually get to know them, bitch. That's why I call people bitches a lot. Because I don't care how unlikable it is to call people bitches to their face. Because I know that I'm not a bitch. Because I know that I don't actually call people I respect bitches as a... Like, I don't call fucking people the B-word who I actually respect. I use it as a joke term to add flair to what I'm talking... I don't actually call people big fucking bitch. Like, because I have good character. Not charisma. So I don't care if I'm unlikable. I like being unlikable. I'm going to keep doing that. I lean into my unlikability because, hey, I got nothing to prove to you. I know that I'm a good person and actually, I'm nice. I'm nice to the people around me. You fucking, <laughs> you fucking bitch. Yeah, dude, I couldn't even say that because it can't, it comes out so mean. Dude, it comes out so mean when I call people mean words. Like I was, I did that at a, at a set a few months ago. I had the crowd on my side. I was doing well until I decided to call them cocksuckers. They thought I was being real. They thought I actually thought they were cocksuckers, like in a bad way. But I was just using it as a, I just thought it was funny to say that word to a group of people. Oh, excuse me for making a bad, oh, I thought it was funny. I'm pretty sure it was funny, actually. I was. It just came out so fucking real that they turned on me like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> like, what up, you cocksuckers? <laughs> but without the smile, like, what up, you cocksuckers? <laughs> like, I was right, they were wrong. It was funny. I wouldn't be doing comedy if I didn't know what comedy was. Like, sure, comedians bomb all the time. We have bad jokes, but I know when a joke is good or not. And calling the whole room cocksuckers is funny. So that audience just didn't get my style. That's the thing. Like a lot of comics, they go, oh man, that crowd sucked. But another comic will kill with the same exact crowd. Who was, was he? So therefore, most people would say, no, you just sucked. It wasn't the crowd. <laughs> but if you're a specific type of comedian, you're not going to be for everybody. So you could technically blame the crowd for not understanding it. Because all it takes is one or two people to start laughing, and then the rest will start laughing because it kind of catches fire. You need a kindling you need some brave fucking first responders in the audience to catch wind that something funny's happening. And then once they start squealing, the rest of the audience will start burning or laughing. 
That's a great analogy. Um, it takes ball. It, it does take like balls to laugh at something that nobody else is laughing at. But if it's, but that's just because some audiences don't want to be the first dude to laugh. To be the first one to laugh at any joke takes balls. It's just that some jokes are so good that you can't always tell like who was the first to laugh at it because it happened so fast. You'd have to like be like it's like supersonic. But some some jokes are like, you know, slow burns and it's like, okay, oh shit, that is funny and then somebody starts laughing in one part of the room and then and then it slowly spreads. That's my favorite type of comedy. But it's really like, um, as the as the performer, to only do that type of comedy, that's hard. To be like, oh shit, this is I only do the type of comedy that is like not gonna like it instantly get them to laugh. So they might think they bombed, and yeah, if you don't get laughs, I guess that's technically bombing. But sometimes it's just that the audience didn't get you or there wasn't enough people in that audience to be the first responders so yes you could blame the audience you could be like you guys are pussies for not having the balls to light me up you guys are pussies yeah the next guy's gonna kill because he has different jokes he has jokes that are instant fire but whatever like Forget the internet, like some jokes just hit way quicker and he's going to do that because he's a pussy. He's a pussy. He's afraid to bomb because he just does hack jokes that everybody just laughs at because, oh yeah, that was funny. But it's not that funny. <laughs> the funniest shit is the shit that you got to think. It's like, fuck, that is fun. Like, that's my favorite type of comedy. It's like the shit that I, first, like it's like whoa, okay, that and then that, and then I have to, and I I don't fucking know. Not just that instantaneous gut puncher type stuff. I like that too, where you're just like you're funny just by the way you say it. It's like if you just say something a certain way, it's instantly funny. Yeah, that's fine. It's a lot to think about. I don't know, because I could be both ways. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's very encouraging for me to want to do stand-up again after talk, hearing myself talk for an hour about it. I love the sound of my own voice. No, I don't. See, that's the problem. I don't love the sound of my own voice. Or else I, fucking, I would be my biggest fan, and I'd be able to go on stage and tell the dumb jokes that I thought of, and be like, this is fucking gold. This is brilliant. That's how you have to feel about yourself in order to kill at comedy. You have to be like, this is brilliant. Otherwise, if you don't think it's funny, why would you, you just, you would just cave in and you wouldn't be able to sell it. Comedians are just salespeople for their own personas, for their own thoughts that they thought was funny. It's like, hey, I thought of this and also I'm going to be the one that sells on, I, 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 that's a lot of work. You got to think of it, the joke, and perform the joke. So you're, that's a lot of people that you're being. You're being the salesman. You're being the creative part. Like, what do you call that? Like the, the writer, obviously, but like in a different business. I'm trying to think of a different metaphor. You're the salesperson, the marketing team. 
and the research and development. There you go. You're the scientist. That's a lot of people that you're being as a comedian. That's why it's tough. Just because you have a little bit of talent, you still need to do a lot of work to get all those uh, employees to work together in a cohesive manner that produces a quality 15 minutes of material. And we're going to end. Um, another thing that came up is the business side of things, like the one thing that comedians can't necessarily do themselves. A lot of them, they might have the other things, the research, R&D, the salesman, the marketing side. Ooh, some of them just can't do that. And then the uh, the business, like deals with other businesses would be the metaphor, like customers, like I think it should be direct con to consumer. Co comedians these days, the best um, like business model would be to do what Louis C.K. has been doing for over 10 years is to sell straight to the consumer, straight to your fan base, put it on your website. It takes a lot of technical know-how. That's the thing. Not everybody could just be like Louis C.K., but also not everybody could be a comedian in the first place. So maybe understand that it's going to take a lot of work. So, if, But the point, like if somebody just offers you like a few thousand dollars for your material and they're going to put it on their platform... That's not enough money. A few thousand is not enough money. This came up last night. Somebody was talking about it. It wasn't me. I just agreed with. I just silently agreed with them. But now I'm saying it as the, on this podcast. It's like, yeah, you could get way more work. Maybe not money, but fuck that. Who cares about the the dollar amount? The point is, if you have a fan base, they will go to your website. If your fan base is only on one platform, you're not a good comedian. How about that? Take that as it may hurt, because I'm being honest. If you only have a fan base on one platform and they don't follow you to other platforms, you're not a good comedian. Because a good comedian will have fans that have the extra five seconds that it takes to be like, oh, okay, they have a website. I'll go to that to buy their product. So focus on being a good comedian. And then once you are a good comedian, which takes 20 to 30 years. So, but then you could talk to technical people about how to actually go about setting up the website or whatever the technology will be in that current time frame or whatever in that modern era that you happen to be a good comedian. I don't know. You got to find the right person that's actually not like going to just take a shitload of money from you. But also, even if you do get paid a shitload of money, that still isn't necessarily a good thing. The second you start getting paid, you know, millions of dollars for your comedy, that's when it starts to decline in quality. So you have to understand that too, is that there will be a peak there will be a crest in the wave. You're going to hit a peak of where you're at your stride. It might last for a few years, maybe 
a decade if you're if you're extremely lucky it'll last for about five to ten years nobody has really had it last for longer than that nobody the beatles was only like eight years of like fame of like in their stride and that was the beatles so you're gonna peak you're gonna decline in quality so enjoy the struggle of where you're at how about that don't do it for the fucking money that's what they everybody tells you that hey if you don't do it for the uh, um but that that's true though if you're only doing it for the end result of like numbers and not for the creative end result which is admiration and fans you should be doing it for the fans but also you got to be doing it for yourself you got to be your own fan you got to be like i'm fucking proud of that fucking piece of art i don't care that it only got three thousand hits on youtube or some shit i'm my i'm a fan of it and if you're a fan of it um probably other people will be too or you're just delusional in which case I'm going to make fun of you for being, people are just going to make fun of you. And that's fun too. So keep doing it. Either way, I'm never going to, I'm never the guy that says quit. Even if you're delusional and you're only getting made fun of for how bad what you're making is, like, like, keep doing it because you're giving other people something to make fun of. And if you aren't delusional, you just realize how much you suck and you'll probably quit. So, or you'll just get better. I mean, how many people that start off as delusional end up being great? I don't know if there's that many examples of people that started off like completely bananas. Like, I'm the, I'm going to be successful. I'm the fucking, I'm a killer. And that, do they ever actually become killers? I don't know. I have not found examples of that. I found examples of people that are still delusional and not killers. And there are some delusional people that can kill, but then they stay about where they are. They always get into these prob, like these challenges. Usually, narcissistic comedians don't get much better. They 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 reach a certain point, and and then I, I no longer am their fans because I was going by the facade. I was only a fan of what I first saw of them. And then I started seeing that they didn't have the ability to reproduce it. Whatever. So anyway, you have to be humble. You have to hate yourself like me to be great, to become great at something. You got to be, you got, you got to go through these really difficult, dark times. And you got to look at that as like, hey, this is part of the process. So this has been Tim, <laughs> this has been the Tim Weixelbaum Show, episode 64, Nintendo 60, no, 65, what am I talking about? This is episode 65 of the Tim Weixelbaum Show. Have a good rest of the weekend, peace and love, right, uh, thanks for the, whatever, peace and love, that's where I'm ending it.